Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the September 12th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. So today we'll be finishing up the first commandment and we'll be looking at numbers 21, 23 through 21, 32 of the Catechism. Atheism. 21, 23. Many of our contemporaries either do not at all perceive or explicitly reject this intimate and vital bond of man to God. Atheism, therefore, must be regarded as one of the most serious problems of our time. 2124. The name atheism covers a many very different phenomena. One common form is the practical materialism, which restricts its needs and aspirations to time and space. Atheistic humanism falsely considers man to be an end to himself and the sole maker with supreme control over his own history. Another form of contemporary atheism looks for the liberation of man through economic and social liberation. It holds that religion, of its very nature, thwarts such emancipation by raising man's hope in a future life, thus both deceiving him and discouraging him from working for a better form of life. 21.25 Since it rejects or denies the existence of God, atheism is a sin against the virtue of religion. The imputability of this offence can be significantly diminished in virtue of the intentions and the circumstances. Believers have more than a little to do with the rise of atheism, to the extent that they are careless about their instruction in the faith or present its teaching falsely, or even fail in their religious, moral or social life. They must be said to conceal rather than to reveal the true nature of God and religion. 21.26 Atheism is often based on a false concept of human autonomy, exaggerated to the point of refusing any dependence of God. Yet, to acknowledge God is in no way to oppose the dignity of man, since such dignity is grounded and brought to perfection in God. For the Church knows full well that her message is in harmony with the most secret desires of the human heart. Agnosticism, 21-27 Agnosticism assumes a number of forms. In certain cases, the agnostic refrains from denying God. Instead, he postulates the existence of a transcendent being which is incapable of revealing itself and about which nothing can be said. In other cases, the agnostic makes no judgment about God's existence, declaring it impossible to prove or even to affirm or deny. 21.28 Agnosticism can sometimes include a certain search for God, but it can equally express indifferent, indifferentism, a flight from the ultimate questions of existence and a sluggish moral conscience. Agnosticism is all too often equivalent to practical atheism. 4. You shall not make for yourself a graven image. 21.29 the divine interjection included in this prohibition of every representation of God by the hand of man. Deuteronomy explains, Since you saw no form on the day that God, the Lord, 
spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you act corruptly by making a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure. It is the absolute transcendent God who revealed himself to Israel. He is the all, but at the same time, he is greater than all his works. He is the author of beauty. 21.30 Nevertheless, already in the Old Testament, God ordained or permitted the making of images that pointed symbolically toward salvation by the incarnate word. So it was that the bronze serpent, the Ark of the Covenant and the cherubim. 21.31 Basing itself on the mystery of the incarnate word, the Seventh Ecumenical Council at Nicaea in 787 justified against the iconoclasts the venerations of icons, of Christ, but also of the Mother of God, the angels and all the saints. By becoming incarnate, the Son of God introduced a new economy of images. 2132. The Christian veneration of images is not contrary to the first commandment, which proscribes idols. Indeed, the honour revered, rendered to an image passes to its prototype, and whoever venerates an image venerates the person portrayed in it. The honour paid to sacred images is a respectful veneration, not the adoration due to God alone. Religious worship is not directed to the images of themselves, considered as mere things, but under their distinct aspect as images leading us on to God incarnate. The movement towards the image does not terminate in it as image, but tends towards that whose image it is. Okay, very well. So here we finish the first commandment. And we're looking at, I suppose, two main areas here. Uh, the first one was the, the atheism and agnosticism. This um, phenomena that is growing more common today of people who don't believe in God. Or people who don't care. I mean, people who, um, for whatever reason, don't really believe in God, but don't not believe in him. Um, and I suppose this is also compounded, perhaps more worryingly, and the Catechism even hints at this, at the amount of Christians that don't live their faith. Yes, they bear the name of Christian. Yes, they have been baptised, but they don't really act on their belief. They live as if God didn't exist. And if Christians live as if God didn't exist, could you blame those around them for not believing that God exists? The Catechism doesn't seem to be so much emphasising that we should condemn those who don't believe in God, that we should condemn those that don't know Christ. But if there is blame to be given out, it is blame towards those who live as if he does not exist, those Christians who ignore him. The other section that we are looking at is the section of images. Again, it's, it's only a page in the Catechism. It's, it's uh, four numbers, 2129 to 2132, dealing with these images. And this is um, the big difference between the, uh, the, the Catholic vi vision of the Ten Commandments and the vision of the Ten Commandments that are in uh, many of the Protestant traditions. And this, uh, the, they say you shall not make for yourself a graven image that is included in the first commandment for Catholics and is in the Bible. And in the Old Testament, 
they were forbidden from making any image of God. The people, the peoples around Israel, the other nations that lived in that area, uh, really the other nations throughout the world, had images of gods. They had figurines, they had statues, uh, and the statues were gods, that they treated them as gods. And Israel just uh, says, no, these are not God. These are not, they're, um, they're, they're statues, they're the work of human hands. They're not um, something that, uh, that, that, that is divine in themselves. And this is why in, in the Old Testament that it was forbidden to make any image of God. Whereas in the New Testament, the Christians discovered that they were able to. And again, this is just through the reflection of tradition um, that the... Um, uh, that the Christians understood that thanks to the Incarnation, they were able to make pictures of Jesus, of the Virgin Mary, of the saints. That this was um, allowable, the same way as you can have a picture of uh, a family member, you can have a picture of yourself, you can take a photograph and frame it, and most people do. Most houses will have a picture of somebody on the wall, um, and that there's nothing wrong with this. The difficulty is that if we begin to give honour to the picture itself, so this is something that sometimes people don't understand, that it's not that Catholics worship the statue. They worship the image behind the statue. They worship the one whom the statue is representing. So it's not that you're worshipping a cross, which is, at the end of the day, um, just a, a work of art. You know, it's something that somebody made. Some of them are made nicer, some of them are made worse, some of them are made more precious, some of them are cheaper, some of them are quite ugly, to be honest. But um, these are not, um, they're not receiving worship in themselves, which is why, at the end of the day, if something ends up being destroyed, it's not, uh, it's not a huge tragedy. I mean, if a church burns down, it burns down. And if the, the Stations of the Cross or a statue of the Virgin Mary or something is destroyed in the process, again, it's a pity. Maybe artistically it can be a tragedy if it's a, I don't know, if it's one done by a famous artist or particularly beautiful. But it's not, it's not that it's the, um, it's not that somehow or other the Virgin Mary herself has been hurt. It's like when that um, that crazy guy broke into the uh, with the hammer and I think it was a chisel hammer and chisel uh, to Saint Peter's Basilica, and he went to the Pietà, the most famous statue probably of Our Lady in the world, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful statue, and he knocked off her nose. He just it was it's made of marble, and he knocked off the nose, and this is sure an artistic tragedy. Uh, the the man in question was crazy, so it probably wasn't even sinful, but uh, it's a tragedy. But it's not that Mary in heaven is suddenly missing a nose. No, Mary in heaven wasn't uh, wasn't affected in the least by it, uh, and so we need to see that this this um, I suppose you could say a mature reflection that the Catholic Church has on the use of images, which um, I suppose also has a lot to do with the practice of the early church whereby the early Christians, following the practice of the Jews, because really by the time of Jesus, the archaeologists have shown to us that most Jewish synagogues had art in them, had pictures of the Bible. 
had different uh, pictures of Moses, pictures of uh, different uh, Old Testament figures on the walls, and the Christians continued something very similar. And then when people were, co- were complaining about it, we had the Second Council of Nicaea in 787 that, um, that, that, that settled the matter. But as I say, this is another uh, page that might, people might like to look at in more detail especially if they're into some polemics with uh, particularly some of the, the born-again Protestant groups that don't allow the use of images or don't allow the uses of images in uh, religious, a religious context. So we'll just conclude with the in brief section. In brief, 2133. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. 2134. The first commandment summons man to believe in God to hope in him and to love him above all else. 2135. You shall worship the Lord your God, adoring God, praying to him, offering him the worship that belongs to him, fulfilling the promises and vows made to him, are acts of of the virtue of religion, which fall under obedience to the first commandment. 2136. The duty to offer God authentic worship concerns man, both as an individual and as a social being. 2137. Men of the present day want to profess their religion freely in private and in public. 2138. Superstition is a departure from the worship that we give to the true God. It is manifested in idolatry as well as in various forms of divinization and magic. 2139. Tempting God in words or deeds, sacrilege and simony are sins of irreligion, forbidden by the first commandment. 2140. Since it rejects or denies the existence of God, atheism is a sin against the first commandment. 2141. The veneration of sacred images is based on the mystery of the incarnation of the word of God. It is not contrary to the first commandment. Okay, very well. So tomorrow we'll continue. And tomorrow we're going to look at 2142 through 2149. God bless.